0: Thank you again for your continued generosity. And again, want to just say welcome to all of you. Perhaps you're joining us online on YouTube or Facebook. want to give a big shout out to you as well. In fact, let us know where you're watching from and uh, let us know how we can pray with you. There's a, a prayer request card right there in the seat pocket in front of you. And if you're online, there's an online prayer form as well. So we can agree with you as well. But in preparing for today's message and it being October 31st, which is, of course, Halloween, I wanted to bring, I uh, wanted to take a pause from our series in the book of Matthew, and I wanted to bring a message about the very real presence of the powers of darkness. We have a real enemy. Satan is his name. The forces of evil are very real. Most of the time, we don't even really see it. Uh, In fact, that's one of Satan's strategies, by the way, is to lull you into this uh, sense of complacency where you don't see him moving behind the scenes, trying to execute his will and his scheme. But we need to understand that everything we see in the physical is a manifestation of what's happening in the spiritual. And so while, uh, while we might not give much thought to evil on a regular basis or thought to the devil on, the, on, the, on a regular basis, many others in our culture do have this growing fascination with the supernatural, and the enemy is seizing on that fascination, trying to get us away from pursuing God and pursuing the things of the devil, the allure of the occult, of of zombies, of vampires, of witchcrafts, of horoscopes and palm readers and psychics and on and on. It's both troubling and dangerous. The mystical and the demonic is now commonplace. Right? All you have to do is go to the movies, uh, turn on Netflix, turn on the cable TV uh, shows and movies like Supernatural. Lucifer, Scream, Charmed, The Haunting, Midnight Mask, Ghost Hunters, Shadow Hunters, uh, unhealthy fascination with horror movies. It's just, it's just becoming commonplace right now. Basically, anything with zombies, vampires, or the demonic is in. I mean, it's just culturally acceptable right now. The glorification is, is commonplace. The glorification of evil is just all around us. And and today, uh, someone in your community is going to throw this white sheet on their child and say, oh, look at that cute little ghost. And we're getting lulled into the normalization of evil. The normalization of the kingdom of darkness. A 2020 Barna study, so this is the most recent numbers that we have, so this is very recent numbers, found that 51% of Americans believe God is an all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect, and just creator. 51%. By the way, that is down major uh, from from 30 years ago when the number was 73%. 56% of the same surveyors, surveyorees, those that were taking the survey, said there is a real Satan who is more than just a symbol of evil, but truly exists. 56%. If you remember, I said 51% believed in the all-powerful, all-knowing creator God. So Americans, or at least those that participated in this survey, now believe in Satan more than they do in the all-powerful God. And so we are going to talk about this real presence of evil. The church should not shy away from this subject, just to be candid with you. Um, We can learn more about the powers of darkness at the costume aisle at Walmart than we can in the church nowadays. And so we are now going to, uh, we're going to bring exposure. We're going to expose the enemy and his schemes because he is out there. He has a plan and a desire for you and your life, just like the Lord does. And so we are going to expose him for what he is. There is a real kingdom of light and a real kingdom of darkness. There is a real kingdom of life and a kingdom of death. There is a very real God, but there's also a very real Satan. And so we are going to uh, expose him and his tactics today. So I just encourage you, take some notes. I've got some slides for you that we're going to share here in just a moment. But I just encourage you to lean in take heart. This message is not meant to scare you, but to bring awareness to you. And uh, remember, just like we've already heard today, that greater is he that's in you than he's within the world. And what Joshua said, as for me in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. So as we begin today, we are going to start at a good place. How many think it'd be a good idea to start, start talking about God first? Let's, let's, let's do that first. That's a, that's a good place to start. There is only one true God, capital G. Now, there are multiple lowercase gods, lowercase gods, but there is only one true creator, maker of heaven and earth. His name is God, Yahweh, the creator of all that he has uh, presented himself to us in three distinct persons, God, the father, God, the son, and God, the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to give you four things about God real quick as we get started here. Number one, our God is eternal. Write that down. Our God is eternal. He is uncreated. Man, I wish we could just think about that for a minute. No one ever created God. He has always been. He had no beginning. He will have no end. He has never not existed. Isn't that interesting to think about? There will never be a time when God does not exist. (laughs) He is from everlasting to everlasting. He has no equal. He is eternal. Secondly, our God is omniscient. Now, that's just a fancy word for for saying that he knows everything about everything. He is Uh, all-knowing. Have you ever had kind of those aha moments like, oh, I never thought of that before. That never occurred to me before. Did you know that God has never had those thoughts? Nothing has ever occurred to God He always has known everything about everything. Isn't that interesting? He never looks down and says, oh, I didn't see that coming. (laughs) That that took me by surprise. How did those humans figure that out? He's never learning anything new because he already knows it all. It's pretty incredible to think about. Here's something else about God. He is omnipotent. Omnipotent. He is all-powerful. There is no equal to our all-powerful God. There is no exhaustion to His power. He never runs out of power and never runs out of energy. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> All power comes from Him. All power is through Him. All power is derived from Him. Here's what Colossians chapter one verse sixteen has to say about it: For in Him. All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, how many? All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. Just his spoken word holds everything in place. Have you ever thought about that? Without him, all of this falls apart. He is all powerful. It's only because of him that things don't crumble right underneath us right now. Anything that has power, anyone that has power only comes from power of God, from the power of God, that he has empowered them. So God is omniscient, he's he's, uh, omnipotent, and fourthly, he is omnipresent that means that he is everywhere at the same time, simultaneously, all at once. <laughs> he never has to go anywhere because he's already there. Right. Isn't that interesting? He never has to travel. <laughs> now, no other, no other being, either angelic or demonic, can claim this. Right, right. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere, all the time, at once, simultaneously. In fact, he exists Outside of time and space. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Huh. He is uh, simultaneously in the past, the present, and in the future, all at the same time. Right. It's incredible to think about. In fact, he's not the I was, he's not the I will be, he is the I am right now. Come on, somebody can get a better amen than that. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Now, no one thing, no one person, no one being can claim these things. These statements are only true of the one true God. He is in a class all by himself. He has no rival. He has no equal. There is no counterpart to God. Okay? Now, before we launch into talking about evil and the kingdom of darkness, it's important to note that God cannot be affected or corrupted by evil. God is above evil, He is opposed to evil. Uh, He did not create evil, by the way. However, He does allow evil to take place. Now, before mankind was created, before uh, God created man and woman, There were other spiritual beings that he created, angels. And uh, angels, while not exactly like humans, do have certain characteristics that uh, that they share with humans, one of which is free will. Angels can choose to do right or they can choose to do wrong. They can choose to rebel. And one of the angels, way back a long time ago, rebelled against God. He rejected good. He became jealous of God, wanted to be worshiped as God. And there are several references uh, to uh, Satan and this story of how he fell that we find in the scripture, one of which is in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14, verse 12, 13, and 14. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O shining star. By the way, Lucifer, Satan, he was an angel. He was a worship leader type of angel, actually. Son of the morning, you have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world, for you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. So this worship leader, Satan, let pride get in the way so much so that he rebelled against God, wanting to set himself up as God to be worshiped like God. So God in response booted him out of heaven. And ever since then, he's been at war with God. Now listen, he knows that in the end he's going to lose. He knows that. So what he's doing in the meantime to get back at God is he's trying to take out as many people like you and me that he can in the meantime. He's been doing it all the way since the beginning of humanity, all the way back to the Garden of Eden, actually. Check this out, Genesis chapter three, verse one. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, so so now Satan has entered into this serpent, by the way. If you have time, you should read more about this story uh, uh, as you can. But he said to the woman, this is Satan coming in the form of a serpent. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So the first thing that Satan did here when he, uh, when he came to Eve is he challenged God's word. Did God really say He's so crafty and conniving, feeding in our feeding our need to want to know more and be in the know on certain things. So he planted seeds of doubt within Eve. He did it to Eve and Adam and he's been doing it ever since. Did God really say, don't you think God's just trying to crimp your style? He's trying to keep you in the dark. Are you sure that's what God said? He is crafty. He is a slithering, sneaky snake. He's very good at being very bad. And his motivation is to destroy you. So please hear me. It is very unwise to dabble into the things of Satan. To to entertain some of those things that I talked about earlier. To entertain Satan and his demonic stuff. It's a trap that he is setting for you. We need to stay away from anything that remotely seems sketchy, remotely seems like this might not be in alignment with God's word. We need to protect what we watch, what we listen to, what we view, what we allow into our hearts. Let our hearts and our minds meditate on the good things of the Lord. We talked about that last week in Philippians 4, whatsoever things are, and we rattled off that long list. Leave no room for the devil. Don't leave any room for him because he is out to get you. Make no mistake, the devil is not for you. He is very much against you. Here's what Peter had to say about that. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Peter says, pay attention, look out. There is a sneaky, roaring lion looking for his next victim. He is a roaring lion. He is a sneaky, crafty snake. Now, there's a a bunch of other names that Scripture refers to him as well. You don't have to write these down. uh, But we already refer to him as a snake, as a roaring lion. He's an adversary. He's always in opposition to you and to God. Uh, He's the destroyer. John 10.10, we'll probably mention that a couple times today. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the accuser. Man, he is really good at this. He'll come and accuse you of being this or that. You're too far gone. You're a loser. God could never save someone like you. He'll come and he'll accuse the saints. He's, He's a liar. In fact, Scripture refers to him as the father of lies. His native language is lying. His native tongue is lying. This, might, this kind of might sound funny, but how do you know if he's lying? When he's talking, right? Everything that comes out of his mouth is a lie. So I'm not trying to step on toes, but that means if we get into lying ourselves, we are talking the satanic language. We are letting the demonic and satanic enter us. He is a liar. Contrast that, by the way, with God, who is nothing but love and truth, right? Know the truth, the truth will set you free. Lying will put you in chains. Lying will put you in bondage, but the truth will set you free. He's a father of lies. We could just, man, I told the team earlier today, we could do a whole series on this. But uh, we, He's the father of lies. He's also the tempter. He wants to try to get you to not do what's right, get you to do what's wrong, so he 'll come and tempt you we 'll talk about some of those temptations later he 's the deceiver that kind of goes along with lying like he'll deceive you he 'll promise you this he 'll make, he'll make things sound pretty and alluring, and all of a sudden uh, we 'll find out that he was lying. He, he was deceiving us. those were fake promises, false promises he 's also a murderer. Again, we mentioned John 1010 10, the Thief comes to steal. Second on that list is kill. Satan wants to kill everything about you. He wants to kill your joy. Satan wants to kill your peace. He wants to kill your relationship with God. He wants to kill your relationship with others too, by the way. He wants to kill your family. In fact, uh, if if he were to really execute his will, he would love to to get inside of you so much so that you would actually come to the point of killing yourself. Ultimately, that's his goal is to kill you. Contrast that, by the way, with God who is life. God is all about life. He is the creator of life. He is the creator of everything good. In fact, Scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Anything that God creates is good. He does not create evil. He does not create death. He creates good. He creates life. So let that encourage you today. God brings life. Don't blame blame God for the bad things that are happening to you. He only creates good things. God brings life, not death. He tells the truth, not lies. He sets people free, not put them in prison. That's our God. Now, remember, we talked about it was pride that led to the fall of Satan that got him booted out of heaven. Satan is the most prideful, narcissistic being that has ever existed. And there's a couple of things about pride that I want to bring to our attention today because we got to make sure that we don't let pride Get inside of us. Two things that I want to share about pride. Number one, pride never repents. Have you ever thought about that? Someone who is prideful, they never repent, they never say, I'm sorry, they never apologize, they never have any faults, no shortcomings, no failures, they're always right, they never do anything wrong. That is a characteristic of pride. Pride never repents. Satan has never repented. He's never apologized. And think about that. We are living in a culture that refuses to take responsibility for our wrongdoing. We live in a culture that refuses to admit we've done anything wrong. They refuse to say, I'm sorry. They refuse to repent. In fact, it's just the opposite. If they catch you in doing something wrong, what will happen is that we'll just double down. No, 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 that wasn't me. Don't, don't question my motives. They'll double down. They'll make excuses. And this is really evil. They'll even make themselves the victim. Yes. How, did you, how, did, how did we go from being in the wrong to now you're the victim? Yes. We see this on a daily basis. People clearly sinning, people clearly doing wrong things outside of God's will who never admit that they're wrong. And listen, the news media and politicians have this down to a T they will look you right in the eye. They will look right in that camera lens and lie to you. Because there's no fear of consequences. No one's holding them accountable. So anything goes. I'm right. You're wrong. Don't you dare challenge my rightness. If you do, you should be silenced and canceled. That sort of attitude is rooted in pride. And it's satanic. That's why our nation, that's why our world is in the shape that it's in. We are in a tailspin right now. People don't want to be corrected. People don't want you to to let, let them know when they're in the wrong. They don't want to hear the truth of God's word. They don't want to admit they're wrong, and they don't want to repent. And that is a very dangerous place to be. Why? Because God opposes the proud. James 4, 6. God opposes the proud, but he shows favor to the humble so if you want to be in direct opposition to god if you if you want to be in direct opposition to him be prideful however if you want his grace and love and favor to be showered upon you be humble be humble he gives grace and forgiveness and blessing to the humble satan never repents secondly Pride never forgives. Pride never repents. Pride never forgives. Because of pride, Satan does not repent or offer forgiveness. Satan and his demons are never forgiving and they always carry a bitter spirit. So if you want to enter the realm of the demonic, never admit you're wrong. And never forgive someone who has wronged you. Now, we talked about this a few, a few months ago. We talked about uh, the scheme, one of the schemes of the devil. He wants to stir up uh, bitterness and unforgiveness inside of you. If you want to enter the realm of the demonic, hold that bitterness. Keep that unforgiveness. It opens the door to the satanic. Instead, we need to let it go. We need to be quick to forgive. Even if they don't ask forgiveness, we need to be quick to forgive because bitterness and unforgiveness is a trap set by the devil that people fall for every day. Pride, it never repents. It never forgives. And Satan is fueled by pride, so we need to be able to identify him for what he is, pride for what it is, when it's happening in us, so we can uproot that, we can get rid of that pride as quickly as possible, because a prideful spirit is a demonic spirit. Now listen, the demonic is not just witches and warlocks and horror movies and psychics and pitchforks and vampires and demon possession and the like. All of that is very real. It's very prevalent. But remember, Satan also masquerades as an angel of light. He is sly. He is cunning. He will bring to you the shiny and the alluring things that are pretty. He's not going to offer you something that's ugly, right? He's going to allure you with something that's really shiny and and nice and beautiful. So I want to give us three ways that Satan attacks. He has a lot of tactics that we could talk about, but I'm going to give you three today so, so we can be aware of him and his scheme. Number one, Satan attacks by using the world, the world, the world and the things of this world. Now, I think most of you would, would be like me. You would agree with this statement that this world is a sinful, messed up, broken place. We must not entertain the things of this world. We must not fall in love with this world. Here's the thing. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. And by the way, we're also called to the world. 1 John 2, verse 15 and 16. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. John said all of this stuff, the lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of the life, those are characteristics of the kingdom of this world, the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil. It's the antithesis to the kingdom of God. This world is in such a, a bad shape because of lust and pride. And this world doesn't need a little tweaking, does it? This world needs a big reset. (laughs) We we need just a a restart. We need a tear down and a, a, a new reset. And here's the good thing. When Jesus returns, he's going to do that, by the way. He's going to make everything new. He's going to put it back in its rightful, perfect place that he meant for it when he created it. That's why we pray what Jesus prays. Thy kingdom come here on earth just like it is, is in heaven. Now, Satan would like us to think that this current version of the world is moving towards a really good thing. We are moving towards this state of utopia. We are finally uh, evolving and enlightening to, uh, uh, to, to surpass our archaic parents and grandparents. I would venture to say that the opposite is true. Do we really think this place is getting better? Do we really think this version of the world is better? Depression, anxiety, bankruptcy, debt like we've never seen before, crime, theft, murder, suicide, division. We are not moving in the right direction. (laughs) We are definitely moving in the wrong direction because this world is under the influence of the demonic. It's under the influence of Satan and his demonic culture. Satan uses the world to draw your attention away from God. Secondly, another way he attacks is through the flesh. Through the flesh. Now, the flesh is the temporary part of us that has cravings and unhealthy wants and wishes and desires. When you become a Christian, you get a new nature. However, we still have these earthly bodies and these earthly bodies still deal with temptation and things of the flesh. And even in perfect conditions, uh, we have to be aware that there are desires of the flesh. We are prone to fall to the desires of the flesh. Right. Satan was in a perfect environment. But he fell because of his fleshly desires. Right. Adam and Eve were in a perfect world. But they fell to the flesh. The issue isn't our environment. It's the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5, verse 19 through 21, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Then Paul really goes off here. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. So just in case you didn't see your thing on there, I love how you stuck that in, and the like. You're not off the hook. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Does anybody else see some of these things happening right now in Lifetime right before our eyes? This list right here. We live in a world that is obsessed with the flesh and the desires of the flesh. Satan has convinced us that it is all about me, my wants, my desires, my wishes. I should consume anything that I want, no matter the cost. And it's literally, this consumerism is literally destroying our nation. We're just gonna be real for a moment here. Not that we haven't been, but uh, we're gonna get real real. real. Really real, more real, real or real. We are not living in serious reality right now in America. Can we just be real? We are obsessed with doing things that feed the flesh. Anything that feeds my desire, my consumerism, mentality, that's what we are all about. Truth of God's word has been thrown out the window. Morality has been thrown to the wind. We, we've convinced ourselves that anything goes because we have bought the lie that it is all about me, my flesh. All the while, the enemy is working behind the scenes, setting us up for major devastation. The woke, enlightened, flesh-craving world has distracted us. China is getting ready to pounce. The forces of darkness are getting things in order. The terrorists groups are are building steam. We are standing at the edge of a financial crisis. We're probably already there. Let's be real. Crime is at an all time high. Theft, murder rates, alcoholism is way up. Drug use way up. All of this is happening all around us. Meanwhile, our culture is celebrating National Pronouns Day. we're falling for it, people. This desire, me, me, me culture, the flesh. I get to do what I want to do, no matter the cost. Meanwhile, Satan is working behind the schemes, the the scenes with his scheme, setting us up. We're seeing all of this stuff that Paul listed lived out right before our very eyes. By the way, this is one of the ways we know that the end is near. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus tells us that all of this stuff is going to happen at an increased rate as in the days of Noah. So it will be at the coming of the Lord. What was it like during Noah's days? This list right here. This was at the time of Noah. Jesus said, as were the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Lord. So he is coming real soon. That's some more good news, by the way. So sin right now is unhinged like we've never seen it before because we are obsessed with the flesh. Now, what's the opposite of the flesh? The spirit. Now, this passage in Galatians chapter five is talking about the working and the moving of the spirit, how we are to be people of the spirit. In fact, just a few verses before this list right here, verse 16, Paul says, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Okay, thank you for this formula. Thank you for this remedy. By walking in the spirit, we prevent ourselves uh, from giving way to the desires of the flesh and having the flesh take over our life. So we need to be feeding our spirit, not our flesh, because as we walk in the spirit, the things of the flesh will get starved out. Right. That's, right. That's why today I, I, don't, I don't have the same cravings that I did Years ago, because I'm learning to walk in the spirit. The things that used to entice me five, 10, 20 years ago, don't entice me like that any, anymore. Because I'm learning to walk in the spirit, which is the antithesis of walking in the flesh. So Satan, he will use the world. He will use the flesh. And thirdly and lastly, he will use the, d- the demonic the demonic. We talked a little bit about that last week. If you remember when we were talking about anxiety and sometimes anxiety comes from a demonic satanic attack. There is a very real war waging all around us. It all started when Satan tried to overthrow God and God kicked him down to the earth and, and they have been warring, uh, uh, he has been warring against God ever since and those who love God. And the war against us, they, they war against us by bringing death. They war against us by bringing destruction and devastation and discouragement. That's why the world is in the shape that it's in because of the demonic presence that we are feeling all around us. Kelly alluded to some of you are feeling tired. Sometimes I, I just wake up feeling tired and exhausted. I'm tired spiritually, I'm tired emotionally, I'm tired financially. Anybody ever wake up recently just feeling overwhelmed and tired? I see a lot of hands going up on that. It's because the, the, the demonic oppression that is after you. While some of it may be self-inflicted, some of the things that you're feeling, we can't forget that there is a very real enemy, a very real evil presence, very real Satan. There are very real demonic forces at work. Now in the military, they train people how to survive if they're ever taken captive. If you ever become a prisoner of war, if you ever become a captive to the enemy, they want to train you. And one of the things that they tell these trainees is that the enemy can break your will by isolating you and exhausting you. If I can get them alone, if I can get them isolated, if I can get them exhausted, by the way, that's why we need to stay together as a church, as a people of God, we are stronger. We are better together. That's why it said in Hebrews, forsake not the gathering together with the saints. You need to be coming to church. You need to be going to meetups and life groups. We need to stay together because the enemy wants to isolate you. I mean, in the animal kingdom, who does the predator go after? The one that's strayed from the herd. The one that's been isolated from the herd. He can pounce on you and get you. We need to stay connected. Because the devil knows that without God, without his people, we are at a significant Disadvantage. And here's the thing, the devil, Satan, and his forces are relentless. They are not going to rest. They don't need a nap, by the way. Satan and his demons don't need a power nap. They don't need uh, an an energy drink. They're just going to keep coming and coming and coming. Because remember, John 10, 10, his mission is to steal, steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus has come that we might have life. Satan is all about death. Jesus is all about life. By the way, that's why we stand for life around here. It's the most precious thing that God has created. We protect life. We value life. Because every life is created in the image of God. Why do we destroy what's created in God's image? Satan's. Strategy is to destroy life. Whether in the womb, whether by suicide, he literally wants to destroy and kill everything that he can. That's, By the way, that's why he's after the family. He hates the family unit. He's after the family. He wants to kill you and destroy you. And he's crafty about it. So he disguises it in things like self-indulgence, uh, convenience, You don't need to be inconvenienced by that baby in your womb. You have a choice. So he'll he'll, he'll disguise it with political correctness and all of that stuff. But it all leads to the same thing. Death and separation from God. He's all about death. But Jesus is all about life. Jesus has come that we might have life and life to the full. Life more abundantly. And not just on this side of eternity but in the life yet to come. There's a heavenly home awaiting all of us that know him as Lord and Savior. We say this a few times around here, but for those that know God, this world is as bad as it gets. It only gets better. For those who don't know God, this world is as good as it gets. It only gets worse from here. And right now, there is a war waging for your soul. There is a war right now and, the, and Satan is sly. He's crafty. He's out to get you. Don't fall for his plan. In fact, embrace God's plan for your life. God has a victory plan for you and he's equipped you to stand against the powers of darkness, to stand against the evil, to stand against the demonic. Paul said it like this in Galatians 5 verse 16. So I say, walk by the spirit. We already did that scripture. Here it is. Ephesians, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. The devil is scheming against us. We need to know that. We need to be aware of that. He has a lot of weapons at his disposal, but God has not left us powerless. He has given us the full armor of God. In fact, I encourage you to dig into Ephesians chapter six later today and learn more about that full armor of God. He's given us his full armor. He has given us his son. He has given us his word. He has given us his church. James four, seven and eight says, resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So I want to encourage all of us in this room Let's make sure that we are drawing near to God and let's allow his plans, his purpose to be accomplished in our lives, not the plans of the evil one. Amen, everybody? Amen. All right, let's take a moment. Let's respond. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. I want to just give the Holy Spirit a moment to seal this word in your heart. What is he speaking to you right now? Again, this message was not meant to scare you but to bring awareness about a real devil, a very real presence of evil. And his scheme is to destroy you. That's his ultimate end game, is to steal, kill, and destroy your life. But he'll use all these other things that sound good, that look good, that seem appealing and alluring to to draw you in, to trap you. So we're just exposing him for what he is. So today, there's some business with God that you might need to take care of. What are those things in your life that you need to uproot? Things that you have been participating in. Movies or TV shows that you've allowed on your TV screen or your kid's TV screen. We don't want to give any place to the powers. It's not cute. We should not be dabbling in those things. We should not be trying to figure out where the line is and get as close to it as possible to make sure we just barely make it in. We should be getting as close to Jesus as we can. And then I just want to remind you that there are two kingdoms there's the kingdom of darkness, there's the kingdom of light. And either God has you or Satan has you. There's no neutral, there's no in between. Either God has you or Satan has you. Now, you might say, Well, I I don't feel like Satan has me. I'm not playing with Ouija boards and I don't feel like I'm demon possessed. That's the thing about him. He'll lull you into complacency. One of his strategies is to make you think that he's not even really present. But please make no mistake. You are either a child of the light or a child of the darkness. Either God has you or Satan has you. You're on your way to heaven or you're on your way to hell. There's no in between. So right now, I'm not here to scare you, but if you want to make sure that the kingdom of darkness doesn't have your soul, but that God has your soul, you can make things right with the Lord right now, right here in this place. So I'm just going to ask that we reverence this moment. Please, no moving around. If you need to make sure that you are right with the Lord, you need to make peace with God You're not sure if you died today where your eternal destination would be, but you want to make sure that you are headed to heaven. That that's you, would you just hold your hand up for a moment? I see some hands right now. Thank you. Thank you. Now I just want to invite you to invite Jesus into your heart. All you have to do is acknowledge that you're a sinner, believe that he is the way, the truth, the life, and then start walking with him. All you have to do is say something like this, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I've messed up. I've been living for myself. I've bought the lies that life is all about the here and now, that life is all about me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross and rising again from the grave so that I could have life. Oh, Lord, right now I receive you into my life. I reject the powers of darkness. I reject the scheme of the enemy that would try to come and overtake my life. And I embrace the kingdom of light. I invite you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. And from this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Can we stand together? If you made that uh, prayer, if you said that prayer, if you made Jesus the Lord of your life, we want to know about it. There's going to be some prayer team members up front. They'd love to meet you. They want to give you a Bible. They want to help you on your spiritual journey. So if you need prayer for anything, uh, please let these men and women pray for you. But for the rest of us, can we just respond by speaking the name of Jesus? Come on. The devil hates the name of Jesus. He flees at the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Come on, let's declare it now. Break every stronghold. listen, we don't have to fear the enemy. God has given us all the tools that we need to overcome the enemy. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. He's given us everything. And the best thing that we have is the name of Jesus. So if you need to, uh, if you need to walk away with one thing, just walk away by speaking the name of Jesus, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and every day of the week, speak the name of Jesus and the demons will flee the powers of darkness tremble at the name of Jesus. Amen, everybody. Hey, let me pray for you right now. In fact, could you just lift your hands or maybe take the hands of your loved one? Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you that they have made your house a priority today, and I pray that you would bless them for that. Lord, now I pray that you would bless them and keep them. Make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, may you show your favor upon them and give them your peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I thank you that greater are you that's in us than he that is in the world and no weapon formed against us will prosper. Lord, we speak the name of Jesus. We speak that powerful name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. And it's in that name that we all said a big amen. 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 God bless you. We love you. If you're new, I'll meet you in the Welcome Center. God bless you. We'll see you next week.